Amen. Well, good morning, church. So glad to see each and every one of you. If you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 62. Uh, And if you don't have a Bible with you, that's all right. We'll have the verses on the screen for you. As you can see, we're continuing our series called The Songs We Sing. So we are looking at different psalms uh, over the summer. And this is our summer sermon series, if you will. Say that five times fast, summer sermon series. Uh, And so we're looking at different songs that uh, were written in this hymn book we have called The Psalms in the Bible. And so we are looking each week at a different emotion because here's what the Psalms do. The Psalms allow us to express our emotions that sometimes we have a hard time articulating. So some of us tend to bottle up our emotions inside and we don't like for others to know how we feel. Uh, Others of us want everybody to know how we feel, right? And so the Psalms kind of bring a very good balance to how we as God's people should deal with the different emotions we experience. So today we're looking at Psalm 62. And before we dive into that, I would like to pray uh, and ask the Lord to bless his word and help us to receive it well this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we're so thankful that we get to be here, that we get to worship, that we get to gather as the body of Christ together in this place. Lord, this is about you. We want you to receive the glory. Not just today, but as we leave this place throughout our week and our lives and all those we come in contact with. Jesus, we want your name to be written across our hearts and to be exemplified in our lives. So Lord, we need help as we talk about Psalm 62 and the difficulties of this life we experience through our insecurities. Jesus, would you give us your word in our hearts and let it change us here today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So one of our favorite things to do, uh, my wife and our kids and I, we like to go down to St. Augustine from time to time. And we love walking around the historic district and just kind of seeing all the different uh, sights and sounds and smells and all the good stuff that St. Augustine has uh, to offer. Well, one of our favorite places there is the Castillo de San Marcos, right? The big, the big fortress that is there. Uh, now, that thing is, is pretty impressive, right? I mean, walking alongside those walls, you can tell that, boy, that thing could withstand almost any attack. Those things are thick, they are tall, and uh, they've been there a long time. So we, we love walking around that fort. Now, a- another thing that we love to do in our family is from time to time, we will build a fort of our own. Uh, Now, we'll do that in our living room with some dining room chairs and some blankets and some pillows, and it's a lot of fun. Our kids love it when we build a fort. Now, I'll have to brag just a little bit. I do consider myself an expert living room fort builder, okay? Uh, If you want to go toe-to-toe with me, I would love and welcome any competition towards that, okay? I've perfected that. Uh, But it's so much fun, right, until the kids ultimately, five minutes later, just completely destroy it, and it caves in, and somebody gets hurt. Now, you can legitimately call both of those things, right, the Castillo de San Marcos and the fort in our living room, you can legitimately call both of those things a fortress. But only one can withstand the impact of my children jumping all over it, right? Only one was built to actually provide real security. You see, I think one of the most natural 
and deepest desires of every human's heart is to have a sense of security in their lives. To have the feeling that we are well protected, that we have eliminated most of the threats of any danger coming into our lives, but also to have a sense of security in the other meaning of the word, to feel confident in ourselves that we are capable in this life and that we have the ability to have a good life and and to feel good about ourselves. You know, all of us will go to great lengths to build up this feeling of security in our lives and around us and around those we love the most. And so normally what we do is we'll try to achieve security in our lives through the pursuit of more wealth or more money. Sometimes we'll try to just acquire different kinds of status symbols so that we fit in with a particular part of the social circle that we live around and live in. Many of us will achieve security through different relationships. When we begin to feel that one relationship is insecure and not working, we will ditch it for another that we think will give us a sense of better security. For some of us, it's just acquiring more knowledge. We think that knowledge is power, so we think the more knowledge we have, the more and more secure we will feel. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes for you, whatever it takes for me, all of us are naturally inclined to try to increase this feeling of security in our lives. But as this song David wrote in Psalm 62, will show us if we try to make anything else, anything other than God himself, our true place of refuge, our true security, those things will only disappoint us. And when the tough times come, they will not hold up under pressure and they will cave like a blanket thrown over some chairs. Today, we're talking about how to deal with our insecurity. We're talking about finding real, true security. And I'm going to kind of break this down in three different ways to look at this. First of all, I want us to talk about what we know with our minds. So what the head knowledge we have, right? Like What we know is true, at least on paper. Then I want us to talk a little bit about how we often feel realistically and experientially in our lives. And then we're going to conclude by talking about what we must truly believe in our hearts. So first of all, what do we know with our minds? Well, we know, and all of us would attest and say, that God is our fortress. Now, I, uh, I love to watch the show Jeopardy. Any Jeopardy fans out there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super depressing, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm lucky if I get five of the answers correct, right, the whole time. And and it just blows my mind, though, right? The contestants are so smart, and and they're just, I'm I'm amazed at their memorization skill. Like, how do they remember what happened in the 13th century, right? How do they remember all these authors and, and these pieces of literature and all these historical facts? It blows my mind. I'm amazed at it. You know, knowing facts can be very helpful. But as we'll, see a lot, as we'll see later on, knowledge of facts alone is really not at all what the Christian faith is about. 
However, I don't want to undermine this, knowledge is a good thing. And it's good and it's proper for us to affirm the facts about God and who he really is. And so we see that in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 62. Look at what David says. We see some of these great truths about our God in these first two verses of this song. He says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Now David is speaking not just with head knowledge here. He believes this in his heart, okay? He sincerely acknowledges that God is the author of his salvation. That salvation is a gift. It's not something earned. It's from him, he says, right? It's a gift of grace. And therefore, God has proven already to be trustworthy. He has proven that he loves us by giving us this great gift of salvation. He is able then to be our rock and our fortress through any point of distress or calamity in our lives. David believed this so deeply that he says ultimately his soul will not be shaken. So these are some of the greatest truths about our God. These are are some of the most important things for us to remember. Spoken here by a very mature believer, David, that I think we would all affirm these truths right here and right now, wouldn't we? I mean, not many of us in this room would have a problem with saying, yes, I believe all those things about God to be true. If I passed out a little pop quiz, all of you would probably score 100% on these truths about God. I think we would all agree that God should be our fortress. But is he really? Functionally speaking, in our lives, do we really make him our fortress, or is it just something that we're okay with saying when we're at church, speaking to other Christians in our lives, maybe trying to encourage someone else? I think our lives often say otherwise. And so that kind of brings us to how we often feel. So so we know what we should say and should believe, God is our fortress. But when the rubber meets the road, how do you feel often in our lives? And I think the answer is we often feel insecure. That's the emotion, insecurity that we experience quite often. David says he won't be greatly shaken. But, but how often do we feel like our world is shaking? How, how often do we feel, do you feel that your world is being shaken and there is nothing you can do to stop it. You see, my soul, I don't know about you, but my soul tends to not wait in silence as David says his is doing. There there are many reasons we may feel insecure in our lives, but David's going to put out two, point out two major categories, basically people and things. People and things. Look at what he says in verse 3 and 4. He says, how long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? Tottering fence. Not a a stable wall of a fortress, but a fence that's swaying back and forth. He says, verse 4, they only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. There's the psalm musical note there, Selah, it says, We can't put too much hope, in other words, in other people. 
If you're trying to find your security in people, David says, it's not probably going to work out. Because ultimately, they will disappoint us. Or worse, in this case, they may actually hurt us. You see, unjust attacks from others, lies and and hatred and deception and mistreatment in whatever form in your life from another person, it will probably obviously hurt you, but it'll also leave you feeling insecure. Like our world, like your world is being shaken to the core. Now, we're going to come back to verses 5 through 8 later, but for now, look look down to verse 9. Look at what David continues to say about people. He says, those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Those who cause trouble, David says, and we ourselves are just a breath in the grand scheme of life which is why we can't put our hope in any one person. Good or bad, whether they cause hurt to you or not. If you put all of your hope in one particular person, whether it be someone you are in a relationship with or a political figure or whoever it may be, what we must realize is that all humanity is but a breath No one person can provide the security and the fortress of your soul that you need. We all feel insecure, I think, naturally, partly because we are mortal beings. All of us know deep down and we feel the the brevity of life. We know that we're not going to live forever, at least on this earth. And we feel that. You see, without... Without the hope of eternal salvation in Christ, what do we do? We, we look for some other fortress. We, we look for some other rock to stand on to give us a sense of security that may distract us temporarily from the reality that we aren't going to live forever. Especially in our youth, you know, in our younger years, man, we think we're invincible. And so we'll go out and we'll do riskier things, right? Now, I mean, I'm sore after just playing dodgeball with the students on Wednesday night. Like, I'm, whew. Like, man, I can't take it. But we'll go out and we'll, we'll try riskier things and we'll do riskier things because we feel like, man, I'm going to live forever. There, there's nothing can harm me. And so David is trying to tell us, listen, people, people, our lives are short. And so often, though, what do we turn to to try to medicate that feeling? We turn to things. Look what he says in verse 10. He says, put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. You see, when the things of this world are what your soul is longing for, when when we start to turn to the creation instead of the creator, when our hearts are chasing after things we will, always, we will always be left feeling insecure because those things are going to fail us at some point. They may bring happiness and contentment for a short while, but in the end, they're not going to last forever. Nothing in this world will last forever, and so they will fail or they will disappoint. They will leave you feeling empty inside. 
Because here's what happens in my life. When, when any threat to my security comes into my life, when I think one of my comforts is being threatened, one of my fortresses that I've tried to build, so to speak, is in danger. You know what happens to me? My soul gets loud. Now, David said his soul is quiet in verse 1, that he's content and he is at rest in God. But when I'm putting my hope in something other than God, my soul tends to get loud when someone else is threatening to take it away or some circumstance or some situation is threatening for it to be removed. My soul starts speaking up. It gets vocal. It tells me to be afraid. It tells me that I'm not going to be okay if this thing I'm looking to, to be my fortress in this life, to be my source of security is threatened in any way. If something in this world has become your fortress, then it has become an idol to you. An idol is simply anything you love more than God himself. So good things can be idols. You can make your family members idols in your life and put so much pressure on them to give you happiness that it actually crushes them. You can put so much pressure on your job and your paycheck that you can't even enjoy the beauty of it and the good things that come from it because you are so dependent on it and acquiring more wealth and riches, as David says here, that you can't even enjoy those things because there's so much pressure you're putting on them to provide your ultimate security. These are idols in our lives. And the irony is that we think the things we think will give us the security we need deep in our souls are actually the things that will rob us of it. We'll go to great lengths to protect these things, won't we? To preserve these things. As David says, some people go to the length of extortion or robbery. Even honest attempts to increase wealth in some way that is going to continue this road of idolatry. But the bottom line, David says, is what? At the end of verse 10, don't set your heart on these things. It's not bad to have some of these good things God blesses you with, absolutely, but don't set your heart on them. Don't depend on those things for your happiness and contentment in life, David says. Paul says it well in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Listen to what Paul said. He said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. Anybody's mom ever used to say, that reminds me, I brought you into the world and I can take you out. I don't know. That doesn't really have anything to do with this verse. It just reminds me of that. But listen to the contentment. Paul says, if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Now, I don't know about you, but I need a certain kind of food. I need a certain kind of clothing to feel content. Verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love, the love of money, not the possession of it, this verse is quoted out of context very often. Listen to what it actually says. The love of money instead of God. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. All kinds of problems are going to come into your life as you seek to secure your life through things in this world that won't last forever. It is through this craving, 
Paul says that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. In other words, things will disappoint us and leave us wanting more and that feeling of insecurity will never quiet down in your soul unless you believe this in your heart, that God is your fortress. That's the third and final thing we see here in this psalm. This is what we must believe in our heart. Now notice this is the same answer to the first point I made, right? What we know in our head is that God is our fortress. But now that head knowledge must connect to our heart. What we believe in our heart in the deepest part of our soul has to be that God alone is our fortress, our rock, our refuge. When life gets tough, David has to turn back to what he knows is true. Notice this, in verses 5 through 7, as we're about to read, it's almost identical to what he has already said in verses 1 and 2. He's turning back to the truth he knows he needs to hear. He is preaching to himself. He is preaching this truth to himself. Look what he says in verses 5 through 7. He says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Now, here's what we need to talk about. Let's talk about how to make head knowledge head knowledge connect with our hearts. That's not easy. You see, one of the greatest questions of life is, is how do you connect your mind to your heart? And I think the answer is through mostly going to be through life experience, right? I mean, think about all the things you learn in school growing up as a kid. What really matters is when you start applying that knowledge to real-life circumstances, and that's where knowledge turns into wisdom. That life experience, if you apply the knowledge well, will aid you and help you as you continue to grow older through life and experience different types of situations and circumstances and meet different types of people. I mean, think about David's life. If, if you're not familiar with David's life, it was full of ups and downs. David was a shepherd boy, pretty much a nobody. All out of nowhere, he was anointed king of Israel. He, he fought and killed a great uh, giant named Goliath. He was attacked and, and persecuted by uh, Saul and his predecessor. And just, he was, he was on run, running for his life. He had an affair. He had a guy murdered. And at the end of his life, he was, ended up being a man who really did love the Lord. Ups and downs. Life experience is what David had. So he writes this psalm. He writes this song as one who has seen and felt the grace of God through all of those circumstances in his life. That's how his head knowledge connected to his heart. 
But I want to say something else about that. I, I think that I, I think God will put us. Listen closely. I think God will put us in insecure situations to realize how incapable our idols really are for giving us security. I think God puts us in situations where he knows there's insecurity so that we finally realize through this experience that our idols that we've been hoping in are going to fail. And if we devote ourselves to them, if we give ourselves fully to them and not to him, our lives will be in ruin in a short time or a long time. Whenever it happens, our life will be in ruin. To remind us, God does. He does these things to remind us that people and things cannot be our fortresses. And this is not cruel of him. Understand that today. It is not cruel of God to put you in some kind of insecure situation or circumstance so that you will learn to only trust him. That is gracious of him. Thank you, God for bringing us to our knees from time to time and making us realize that it is you and you alone that can save us. It is him and him alone that will give us everlasting peace and security. God helps us understand to turn our hearts to him, to truly find rest for our souls. Listen, I think perhaps, perhaps the worst thing that could happen to you is for you to earn lots of success in this life, especially in the kind of corporate world, business world. I'm not, I'm not wishing misfortune on you in any way. Hear me out. I'm just telling you that if your heart is devoted to something in this world and it is an idol in your life, you think that that's what you need, the worst thing that could happen to you is for you to get more success, perhaps. Because you know what's going to happen to your life. Your life may look great on the outside, but on the inside, your heart is, has pledged allegiance to something other than your creator. And the success of that idol in your heart is only going to build that. And it's going to get harder and harder to break. The difficulties of life are going to be how we learn to do what we must do in those moments. We must submit to our God who loves us and has a better path. But what is our responsibility? In those moments, the moments of insecurity in your life, if you're feeling insecure, whether that's a lack of protection in your life or a lack of confidence in yourself, what is our responsibility? In that moment, number one, I think we have to do this. I, have, I think we have to meditate on the gospel. That's what David is doing. He's meditating on, on the truth of God, right? And on this side of the cross, we call it the gospel, what Jesus has done for us. See, we all feel insecure ultimately because we are separated from God apart from Christ. So in our natural sinful state, we are not in good standing before a holy God. But through Christ... We are. Jesus took our place on the cross. He paid the penalty of our sin and he rose from the grave because God the Father accepted the payment. So he's alive and in him you are alive and you are in good standing with God if you know Jesus that way. So we have to rejoice over this fact of our true identity, who we really are as God's loved and accepted people. 
through Christ. So the more we meditate on and are grateful for God and the salvation he's given us, the more we will learn to love him for who he is. The more we will realize that the gospel changes everything about us. And the power, it is the power to sustain us through any and every life circumstance. The gospel says that on the cross, Jesus put himself in the most insecure situation. Have you ever thought about it that way? We're looking for protection. We're looking for security in our lives. Jesus made himself vulnerable. Jesus put himself in the most insecure situation so that he could give you security. So that he could give you eternal security. Jesus endured the unjust attack of people so that we could be justified. So that we could be justified before a holy God forever. He rose from the grave and he defeated the power of death so that he could become our true fortress. The only one who could truly stand against the power of sin and death. And this all becomes true for you. This, this head knowledge you may have, I mean, you have somehow found yourself sitting in a Christian church this morning. So I'm assuming that there's some head knowledge that we all have in this room. But for that knowledge to connect to your heart today, you have to turn from any fortress you have tried to build. You have to let it be destroyed. You have to let the Holy Spirit of God come into your heart and say, enough is enough. This idol is ruining you. And I want to give you something so much better and stable for all eternity for you to hold on to. This all becomes true for us if we turn from the fortresses of this world we've been trying to find our safety in and we let Jesus truly be, as David says, our rock and our refuge. Let his forgiveness, let his love be your fortress. You see, it's, it's with this mindset we can truly affirm God in this way as our fortress with a faith that is steady and secure. Not perfect in any stretch, but steady. That's why David says he will not be greatly shaken. See, can you say that this morning? That, that your faith is still faulty because we're still sinful people on this earth. We always will be until we enter into heaven. But as long as we're alive, as long as there's breath in our lungs, we're going to deal with and struggle with sin to different degrees in our hearts. But is our faith steady? Can we say that our faith ultimately will not be shaken? Because our foundation and our rock and the fortress we are in is not something of this world. It is deeply rooted and the creator of all things who gave up his life and experienced the insecurity of the cross to give us the security we need in our hearts. This week, as the tropical storm came through, I was sitting uh, in my office and looking out the window, and the wind was picking up, and there's a lot of oak trees 
You know, there's a lot of oak trees in our, in our parking lots, if you, as you've seen. And, you know, they blow around the leaves and branches a little bit. But, man, those things are secure. Those things are firmly rooted. They are deeply rooted in a way that almost nothing will shake them. And that is exactly, that's exactly what the Lord wants from your heart. He wants you to say and finally realize and come to a point where you say, I don't feel confident in myself. I don't feel confident that I'm well protected in this life. But Lord, I know that my true acceptance, all the acceptance and approval I've ever tried to get out of other people, it's only found in you. And I'm so grateful that I was a sinner and you gave your life to love me and that you accept me. You accept me as I am and you want to build me and and you want my heart to become more and more deeply rooted in who you are. In the gospel, this good news that changes who I am. We must meditate on the gospel. We must preach it to ourselves. That's why David is coming back and saying the same thing over and over. But look what he says in verse 8. Not only must we meditate on the gospel, we must pour out our hearts to God in prayer. Look what he says. He says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. You see, part, part of how we exercise and develop greater trust in God through all situations is by pouring out our heart to him, before him which I think means just being very candid with God, being honest and and just telling him how you feel in your time of need, in your greatest point of despair. Be specific with God and tell him, Lord, I feel insecure. I feel that I'm not finding my true acceptance in you. I feel like I'm trying to find it in my relationship with this person or or this thing that I've acquired or or this, this... mindset that I'm trying to adopt. Lord, I need your security. Just be honest with him. One of our core values here at Kernan is that we pray frequently and specifically. We want to be specific in our prayer to God. Don't talk to God like you're trying to make some kind of business transaction. Well, Lord, you know I need this in my life, and so I'll do this if you give me that. Or, or just help me accomplish this, Lord, or, or, or give me this, Right? Cry out to him. David says, pour out your heart before him. Acknowledge your dependency on him. Tell him your fears. Tell him your thoughts. Admit and confess your sin to him. And at the same time, proclaim his goodness and his greatness. That's what David does in verse 11 and 12. As he closes this song, look what he says. Verse 11, he says, Once God has spoken... Twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. See, this is the recurring truth in David's life. This is the recurring truth that he keeps coming back to, that true power belongs to God. Everything else will crumble. And that true love only comes from God. Everyone else will fail us. Do you see that? People and things 
God accomplishes what both of those cannot. True power, true protection, true love, true acceptance. But notice the last sentence of this song. Interesting that David ends with this statement. For you will render to a man according to his work. You see, in the end, what that means is that you will get exactly what you wanted. What I mean is, God is going to give each person exactly what they wanted for all eternity. He's either going to give you the desire of your heart to spend eternity with something other than Him. The fortress that you are trying to squeeze joy and peace and security out of, if you make that your life ambition and your life goal and you devote and sell your heart to it, in the end of time when you stand before God, the great judge of all people, He will give you exactly what you wanted all along. A life without Him. But if you turn to Jesus Christ and you let what He did for you on the cross be everything you ever needed and wanted, be your true source of hope and foundation, your rock, your refuge, your fortress, then in the end, it's nothing you've done, it's nothing you've built, but on Christ, the solid rock, will you stand. And God will give you that desire of your heart to live with him forever. My question for you today is, is Jesus truly your fortress? I'm not asking if he's a part of your life. Hear me out. Again, you're sitting in a church today. I'm assuming Jesus is a part of your life. But is he your fortress? What else could you be turning your heart to today that is not of God? What else, perhaps a good thing in your life that is good and, and, it's, and it's good that it's there in your life, but you've elevated it to a point that you've actually are putting that thing or that person above God himself. Kyle and Emily are going to sing Psalm 62. They're going to sing this psalm that we just heard from the Scriptures. And as they do, I invite you to truly confess whatever fortress you have built in your life that you're turning to for that sense of security. And ask God to put it in its proper place. If it's a good thing, to put it in its proper place. If it's a bad thing, to knock it down. Would you ask him to do that? That's going to take some brutal honesty on your part. But the Lord already knows your heart. His arms are open wide. He loves you. He is ready to forgive you. He is ready for you to walk in to the safety and security and peace and rest for your soul that only he can provide. Would you do that today?
for God alone my soul in silence waits for God alone my soul in silence waits He alone is my rock and my salvation I will not be shaken my hope is in him all my hope in him how long how long will evil men drag me down how long how long will He alone is my rock and my salvation. I will not be shaken. My hope is in Him. All my hope in here for God, God alone for God alone for God alone for God 